Welcome to Spiritual Mythbusters. I'm your host, Paul Graves, and this is the place where we always share what we value as truth and promise to always share it in love. This podcast is an outreach of Bible to Life Ministry located in Northeast Florida. So if you enjoy what you hear, visit us at BibleToLife.net. That's B-I-B-L-E-T-O-L-I-F-E dot net and click on resources to view our BTL Kingdom blog, sermons, and bookstore. Now put on your spiritual thinking caps and let's dive into another episode. Welcome back to Spiritual Mythbusters. As always, I am your host, Paul Graves, and today I can guarantee you that this episode will challenge, encourage, and inspire every listener. So the title of today is God of the World. All right, let's get started with Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. I could literally do five or six episodes, five or six podcasts just on this verse. But I wanted to share this verse with you because I find so much importance with it, and I believe it's relevant for what we're going to talk about today. I would like to declare right at the beginning of today's podcast that Jesus Christ, wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal Father, and Prince of Peace, is God of the world. Let that sink in. I want to declare right here at the beginning that Jesus is God of the world and that to the increase of his government and to the increase of his peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom, there will be no end. Okay, contrary to popular opinion within the church today, Jesus is God of the world. He is. Scripture clearly portrays Jesus as the victor, not the victim. Jesus was a victor when he went to the whipping post. Jesus was a victor when he carried his cross up Golgotha's hill. Jesus was the victor when he was nailed to the cross. Jesus was the victor when he died on the cross. Jesus was the victor when he descended into the lower regions of the earth, taking back the keys of hell, death, and the grave. Jesus was a victor when he resurrected from Hades. He was a victor when he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He was a victor when he was enthroned upon David's throne. Jesus has always been the victor. He has never been the victim. And Jesus is God of the world. 
All right, let's define God. God can be defined as the creator and ruler of the universe, source of all moral authority, the supreme being. So let me say it like this. Jesus is the creator and ruler of the universe and source of all moral authority, the supreme being of the world. Man, let that just sink in for a minute. I'll say this. Although Jesus is God of the world, he's not only God of the world. What I want to do is I want to expand your thought process today. I want to enlarge your perception of who Jesus is. But Jesus is God of the world, but he is not only God of the world. Jesus is also God of the cosmos. And cosmos means an orderly or harmonious universe. Jesus is also God of the galaxies. Galaxy means system of millions or billions of stars, together with gas and dust held together by gravitational attraction. Jesus is also God of the planets, celestial bodies. Listen, whether they're inhabited or whether they're not, Jesus is God. Jesus is God of the world. Jesus is God of the cosmos. Jesus is God of the galaxies. Jesus is God of the planets. Jesus is God. So what am I saying? I'm saying that Jesus, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is God. For those of you that want more clarity on that statement, you can go back and listen to last week's podcast titled, Who is Jesus? And we walk through the scriptures and we teach how Jesus is the Son of Man, how Jesus is the Son of God, but also how Jesus is God the Son. So I am saying that Jesus is God. He is God of all things. Jesus is not only God of all things, but he is God everywhere. We learn about this in Psalms chapter 139, verses 7 through 12. This is where King David is speaking. He says, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Shiloh, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Wow. God is everywhere. Although Jesus is God and Jesus is everywhere, he is also God of all things. He's not just everywhere, but he's God of all things. Jesus is God of the living, and Jesus is God of the dead. He is God of believers, and he is God of non-believers. He is God of that which is created, 
And Jesus is God of that which is yet to be created or that which is yet to be born. Here's something interesting. The Word of God teaches that Jesus is Emmanuel. And we interpret Emmanuel as in God with us. Though I believe that a more accurate translation of Emmanuel would be God as us. There's a big difference to have God with you and to have God as you. And this is backed up with Scripture. John 1.14 says, For the Word, which we know is God, became flesh or was made flesh. So Jesus, and we talked about this last week, Jesus was the deity of God wrapped in flesh. This is what took place during the virgin birth. The deity of God was wrapped in flesh. Jesus was 100% God and he was 100% humanity in the person of Christ. I hope that makes sense. The incarnation, and we talked about this last week, we talked about the incarnation, we talked about the hepostatic union, and we talked about the atonement. And I can say that if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, then you certainly have an understanding of the atonement of Jesus Christ or the finished work of Christ. So the incarnation, which is defined as the deity of God embodied in flesh, and the hypostatic union, which is defined as 100% God and 100% humanity in the person of Christ, and the atonement of Jesus Christ, which can be defined as events surrounding the cross, but also the life Jesus lived in obedience to his Father's will. These three aspects of Jesus, the incarnation, the hypostatic union, and the atonement changed everything for all things everywhere. Let me say it like this. The incarnation, the hypostatic union, and the atonement of Jesus Christ changed everything for all things everywhere. What I find in Scripture is through the incarnation, through the hypostatic union, and the atonement, Jesus restores all things. This means that Jesus restored chaos in the cosmos. Jesus restored unity in the universe. Jesus restored peace on earth, good will toward men, or peace on earth, good will toward humanity. Wow. Listen, what I hope to accomplish today is for you to consider the possibility that Jesus is bigger than our imagination. Considering the possibility that he's greater than what we've been taught in Sunday school, in pulpits throughout the world. And I'm not saying that we have not been taught correctly, but what I'm saying is I pray to challenge you and to encourage you and to inspire you to gain a greater revelation of who Christ is, a greater revelation of the purpose of Jesus, 
the greater revelation of the ministry of Jesus, that we may know him in the fullness of who he is, that we may know who we are in him, but we may also gain a revelation or an understanding of the fullness of who he is living on the inside of each and every one of us. As a result of the finished work or the atonement of Jesus Christ, and those are synonymous, the finished work of Christ and the atonement of Jesus Christ were one and the same. Meaning as a result of the life Jesus lived in obedience to his Father's will before and during his earthly ministry and the events surrounding the cross. So as a result of the finished work or the atonement of Jesus, Jesus received all authority, both in heaven and on earth, as the Son of Man, the Son of God, and God the Son. And we can read about this in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18, or verse 18. And Jesus came up and said, or Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So what we find is that God the Father gave Jesus authority over all things and authority over everywhere. So here's the question that we want to answer. How did Jesus receive all authority in heaven and on earth from his Father? Well, Scripture says that Jesus was given the name which is above every name. In other words, Jesus was given the name of God, which was Jehovah, because Jesus was God. Let me read this to you. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, and those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Man, that is powerful. God gave the Son, bestowed upon Him a name or the name which was above every other name. So a minute ago when I said that Jesus was given the name of God, Jehovah, you may have thought, wow, that's heresy. How can you say that? But we know that Jehovah was a name above all names. The Jews would have known God as Jehovah. There was no name greater than Jehovah. And the Word of God says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him, who? Jesus, the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, and of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, 
and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. Amen. Man, Jesus, the Son of Man, Jesus, the Son of God, and Jesus, God the Son, was highly exalted by God, giving Jesus the name of God, and with receiving the name above every name, which was Jehovah, all judgment was given to the Son to rule and reign in all authority with love and compassion as humanity's high priest. Humanity's only sacrifice for the atoning of sins, past, present, and future. Jesus forever became God of the world. As your host, Paul Graves, I want to thank you for listening to Spiritual Mythbusters. If you like what you've heard, then once again, visit us at BibleToLife.net. That's B-I-B-L-E-T-O-L-I-F-E dot net and click on Resources to access our BTL Kingdom blog, sermons, and bookstore. So until next week, always remember, if you want to see the glory of God, then you must release God's glory.